world. I go by the name of J5, and I'm sitting here with my amazing wife, Dasha. And we want to welcome you guys back to Tripping Over the Broom. Uh, today's our third episode. We want to thank everybody for the continued support and feedback we've been getting. Keep it coming, y'all. Yes, we appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we definitely appreciate We're that. Glad you like it. Yeah. So today, we got a new topic, of course. And we want to talk a little more about the pursuit of happiness, right? So I'm going to get into a story. Hashtag story time with J5. Right. Last year, September 2nd, I was involved in a car accident. Me and my little brother were traveling on 285. For those of you in Atlanta, y'all know all about 285. But we were on 285, and I was in a far right lane about to get off on Boulder Crest, right? Because that was my exit. So I might be traveling 50, 60 miles an hour because I'm about to get off, you know? So I'm already slowing down. I noticed out of nowhere this car coming directly at me, and there's nothing I can do to get out the way of it. And so, bang, I get hit. I'm pushed into the wall. My car is totaled. You know, luckily, me and my brother were able to get out and, you know, just some bumps and bruises. We weren't... We didn't have any broken bones or anything like that. But like I said, my car is totaled. It's gone. Paramedics and everybody arriving to the scene and they're looking at the car and they're just like, oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> the car was clean. I mean, we're going to have to post some before and after pictures on our social media so y'all can see it. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, this was my dream car. I had only bought the car three months before that, you know, and I had started customizing it, getting it how I wanted it. And bang, this girl takes me out. You know, car is totaled. It's gone. It's done for. But I wasn't too sad about that. I was just happy to make it out. But what I didn't know is that that accident would have a huge effect on my life, you know, for that few months, um, probably the next six months or so. Yeah. Uh, almost. So anyway, what I didn't know at the time of the accident is that later on that year, Dasha and I will be trying to purchase our first home together. And because of that wreck, my credit score had taken a hit of like 50 to 60 points right before we were trying to close on our first home. Yep. And anybody who's bought a home or looked into it, y'all know how important that is. Like, that credit score has to be right. You know? <laughs> yeah, really right. <laughs> yeah, it, at it has all to be times. all the way right. You have no time for slip-ups, you know, when you're trying to make a major purchase like that. And so I know y'all probably sitting there wondering, like, well, how does an accident make your credit score go down? I'm going to explain it to you. Okay? Like I said, I bought the car only three months before I got into the accident. Now, I did purchase gap coverage with it. Um, if you don't know, gap coverage is an insurance that you buy so that just in case something happens to your car like that, like it's totaled out before you owe less than what they think the car is worth, it'll cover the rest of that balance to make sure the car gets paid off in full and you're not stuck with no car and still owing somebody money. So I bought gap coverage because that's a smart thing to do if you're going to buy a car that costs almost $30,000. Yep. Right. Okay, so the insurance company pays out the car. They pay out what they think the car is worth. Of course, that's not what I think it's worth. I thought it was worth more. But, you know, you can only do so much to argue with them to go back and forth on that. So now I'm contacting my gap insurance um, so that they can pay out the rest of the loan. And they were dragging their feet doing that. I mean, it took a few months for them to get around to paying it. And so when we started the process of trying to buy the home, they hadn't paid it yet. But I only had like a $2,500 balance on the car loan now. That's all that was left for my gap insurance to cover. So I had one lender pull our credit so that we could start applying for loans to get into the home. And everything was fine the first time we got the credit pool. You know, my score was where it needed to be. Hers was definitely where it needed to be. And, you know, we were smooth sailing, right? All we had to do was find a home, put an offer on it, and we were good to go. Now, I ended up having my credit pulled again because we decided to go with a new lender. And... This was just a week from when I had my credit pulled by the other lender and my score had dropped that 50 to 60 points. And the only thing that changed on my credit report is that I was now showing as if I was currently delinquent and behind on that car note, the car that had been totaled out. Now, mind you, this was supposed to already have been paid out by my gap insurance. You know, at this point, it's out of my hands. I have nothing to do with paying this car off at this point. Right. But they didn't pay it on time and they listed it as if. I'm late, and that's totally screwing up my credit. And so it almost caused us to not be able to get our home. Yep. So today we want to talk about credit and how important it is and how you may not realize it until you really need credit. And when you're talking about big purchases like a home or even a vehicle, um, that's when you need credit the most. So first I want to start with what do we learn about credit growing up? Because I think that's one thing that we're probably missing um, maybe parents aren't explaining credit to us good enough. And that could be because they don't really understand it or know exactly how it works. So what did you know growing up? Like, did your mom ever talk to you about credit, Dasha? Yeah, my mom was a real stickler for credit. She is 
almost overly concerned to regret it. I would say she's even obsessed with it. One thing she definitely told me and my sister growing up before I could even count money was there's only two things that really matter in this life. And that's your name and your credit. You got to keep those on point at all times. So that was my upbringing when it came to credit. It's important. Pay your bills on time or you'll end up in the poorhouse. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but this is the gist. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, because mine, my parents definitely uh, told me that credit was important, but I didn't grow up in the pay your bills on time or you end up in the poorhouse household. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I saw times my parents may have been a little late on this bill or a little late on that one, you know, but we always made it through. So I think growing up, I had more of that mindset. Like, you know, as long as you make it work and it's all good, just make it work. Right. Um, we didn't talk about credit a whole lot. I remember the first time me and my dad really talked about credit, and that's when I turned 18. We started to notice a lot of those letters, those pre-approved letters that you'll get in the mail to say, hey, you're pre-approved for this car, you know, sending you information, all you have to do is apply, you know. And for a while, they would just make me throw those things away mm -hmm. because they kind of had that idea, like, you don't need to be touching this stuff. You don't need to mess your credit up, you know, starting out. You need to uh, wait till you're an adult and responsible and all that kind of stuff, right? But eventually my dad got to thinking about it and he said, you know what? I think I will let you get a credit card. You know, he's like, but I'm going to help you pick which one it is mm -hmm. and teach you how to manage your credit. That way, by the time you're my age, you'll have great credit and you can do whatever you want. Right. You know, that was the idea. So I think that's similar between our parents. You know, they both definitely wanted us to have good credit and know that it was important. I just think they went about it kind of two different ways. Yeah. Right. So because you didn't get your first credit card for a while later. I mean, we were already dating, I think. I was pretty much told to stay away from credit cards. Right. Like, I thought they were the devil, you know? And, I mean, and that's, I think that's good and bad. So, just to talk about my credit card experience, right? So, I got my credit card um, when I was 18. And at the time, none of my friends had credit cards, mm -hmm. you know? And so, I'm feeling like, you know, big man on campus, so to speak. And at first, when I got it, I was doing really well. I was only using it for, like, putting gas in the car, maybe getting some McDonald's here and there, you know, just stuff like that, just to use it and pay it off. And so I would spend maybe $30, $40 on it, and at the end of the month, I'd pay that $30, $40 off. No right. problem, right? But as time went on, I started to get a little more reckless with it. You know, uh, I was 18, going on 19, I was starting to go to the clubs and stuff like that. So now I'm at the bar and I'm um, buying drinks, not alcoholic drinks, obviously, but, you know, I might be buying sodas or whatever. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> You know, but now I'm at the bar and I'm buying stuff there. We might decide to go to the movies with some friends. So I'm buying movie tickets and concessions at the movies. And we all know how expensive concessions at the movies can be, you know. And so the difference with me having the credit card versus when I didn't have it is those times when I went to the movies, I would have just bought my ticket and went and watched the movie. Right. But now I got a credit card. And even though I don't have any money, I'm at the concession stand and I'm, you know, running Getting the check Getting large drink. Right. Large, large popcorn. Y'all want some popcorn? Y'all can share the, mine. Let me get the chicken tenders. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Let me get all that. The nachos with the jalapenos. Yeah. The super big slushy, all that. Yeah. Um, and that was a mistake. That's where I made my mistake. And... The biggest problem with that is even though my dad said, yeah, I'm going to let you get a credit card so I can teach you how to manage it, he didn't keep a close eye on how I was spending, mm -hmm. you know? And like I said, that wasn't a problem early on because I was doing good with it. But once I started to get too loose with it, since he wasn't paying attention, he didn't know. And he didn't find out until it was too late, Yeah, you know? And so I already had uh, overdrafted, not overdrafted, um, went over limit on the credit card and don't have any money to pay it. And now I am working on giving myself bad credit. And at the time, I had no idea what that meant. Meanwhile, ever since I started working my first job, my mom would do my taxes. So I'm turning in my W-2s to her. We're working on my taxes. And she's pulling my credit report every year. We did this every year, tax right. time. So that's how it was in our house. It was an annual thing that you got your credit pulled. Right. Uh, your, your credit report. From that's probably her way of keeping an eye on y'all to make sure y'all went out there. Uh, doing stuff behind her back. Right, right. That she didn't know about. Right. So you have these two different upbringings. You fast forward to when me and John met. Right. Now you got two people on the very opposite end of the spectrums. Right. And that was a problem. <laughs> that was a problem, definitely, because I know that my mom had been in a relationship where the guy she was with, he was my stepdad for a while. I thought he was great. And then one day they just, I'm um, finding out they're getting a divorce and come to find out years later, it was because of his money management problems. 
So I'm finding this out in my adult years that my mom actually left her husband because of his money management problems. And now I'm meeting John, who probably has some similar problems to what he had. Right. And I'm noticing little things like his phone isn't on today or electricity at the house isn't on and little things like that. It's not the first, it's after the first, and he's talking about he needs to pay rent. Well, whoa, rent was due on the first. Right. Why are we still so, I mean, just to let y'all inside a little bit, give y'all the inside information, um, right before I met Dosh, I had just moved out of my parents' house. So I'm out on my own for the first time, and I moved in with two of my friends. Um, I guess from last week, Jason was actually one of my roommates at the time. My aunt had a house that she was renting out, and it was for really cheap. And so I called him and my best friend, and I said, hey, guys, my aunt has this house. It's really affordable. Y'all want to go take a look at it? We looked at it. We liked it. We moved in. Okay? Now, mind you, prior to moving into this house, I never had to budget because mm-hmm. I was working. I had already started my apprenticeship, so I was making what I felt like was decent money at the time, you know, for my age and all that. And the only bills I had was a car note because I had bought a GTO by then and my phone bill, and that was it. And so every month, as long as I could pay that GTO note, and pay my phone bill, I was good to go. The rest of the money was like free money, so to speak. Right. You know, of course, I would feed myself, but I was still living at home with mom and dad. So, shoot, I'd come home a lot of times and mom cooked. Didn't have to go feed myself, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, this was my introduction into the real world to where I actually had to budget some money. And it did cause some problems from for me. Uh, so, I actually remember the time my phone got cut off and I was thinking to myself, like, how in the world am I going to tell this girl that I just started dating that I can't talk to her right now because my phone is off till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that's that's not a good look. Oh, uh, yeah, baby. Uh, we're going to we gonna have to talk next week because I can't afford to pay this phone bill right now. <laughs> right. But anyway, what would happen was I'd just be a little bit short, you know, and I have to wait to my next pay period. I got paid every week, which, you know. For some people, they think that's a good thing. To me, sometimes it could be a bad thing because it's like you always know the money is coming and sometimes you'll just spend it because you know it's coming right back. Yeah. But uh, that's what was happening back then. I would know the money's coming, you know, that next week and I'd end up being a little short. So my phone had to be off for a day or two, then it just had to be off, (laughs) you know. And I didn't have a girl for a while prior to meeting Dasha, so it wasn't really an issue if my phone was off. So, but yeah, that did happen and that was because my poor uh, money management skills. Same thing went for the electricity. Now, to explain this, this might get a little complicated, but our electricity bill wasn't set up like your typical electrical bill. Because when we moved into the house, we were kind of divvying up the bills, who was going to get what and whose name. And if you've ever tried to get a utility bill, you know that most of them run a credit check. And so at the time, I didn't have great credit. You know, I had bought my GTO, but I had been late on payments before. You know, it just wasn't something that was like um, that was really high up on my priority list. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to get the car, so I felt like credit was good enough because I was able to get the car, you know, and as long as I actually paid the bill and they didn't come repo it, then, you know, everything was all good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what my mentality was. But anyway, get back to the story. We're divvying up the bills to see who's going to put what in whose name. And the electric company gave me an option. They said, well, we actually have this new structure for our bill where if you don't want to do a credit check, so you don't have to pay a down payment or deposit on this bill, you can just load the account with money and we take the money out um, depending on how you use it every day. So we would put money on the account and it would be taken out maybe $3 a day. You know, it would just come out of the account. So that was working for us. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. No deposit. We can always see how much money we got in the account. That'll work, right? Now, it was my responsibility to manage it. Even though everybody in the house had access to it, nobody checked it like I did because it was in my name. Right. And so what would happen, I would look at the account and we may have... 25 or $30 on I'm like okay cool I'm good to next week because that'll be like you know a whole that's a whole week's worth you know but we may have an event that weekend and so now we got all the speakers on in the house all the TVs on all the lights on all weekend because people's over there partying yep. and we end up using <laughs> the whole $30 through the weekend and so now the account is empty, it's Monday, and the power gets cut off. It's definitely and, a lot of problems. You know, and so now I'm like rushing to go put money on the bill so I can get the power cut back on, which would take a couple hours. Um, so it was never off for like extended periods of time. It would just be off for a few hours because I wasn't managing it correctly. So it wasn't that I couldn't pay it. It's just that, like I said, my budgeting skills were not where they needed to be, you know, um, being out on my own for the first time. And that's what happened. And, yeah. you know, Dasha was able to see that. Uh, yes, so I did see that, and it 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 was a concern for me. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, 
this is how he manages his bills and his finances. Is this something that I want to deal with for the rest of my life? Obviously, this is really early on in the relationship. Yeah, and it it was probably heartbreaking to her because I'm so perfect in every other way. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so Uh, she probably didn't know how to wrap her head around it. Like, you know, he's so amazing, but there's just one thing about him. Yeah, well, and I know you (laughs) can't change people. I had learned that from the past, like... You can't change people. They have to want to change. And I was afraid that if he was okay with making ends meet the way that he was, that I wasn't going to be able to change that, that I wasn't going to see a difference. And you're right. You can't can't really change people. You have to, um, or they have to want to change themselves. Yeah. And that's why this worked for us. I mean, obviously, we're still together four years later and we've gotten married. So we were able to make a change and make it work. Um, But it was because he wanted to. It was something that... You right. said that you actually were thinking about maybe trying to do better. But yeah, I was trying to figure out ways to to do better, and I didn't know exactly what that would be at the time. Um, one of the things that I did do while I was at the house is I ended up refinancing my car. Because like I said before, I got I got into the car, so I thought that you know my credit was good enough. And it wasn't until later that I found out that I got into the car under terms that were not good at all. You know, mm-hmm. they were terrible terms. But because my parents didn't tell me, hey, these are terrible terms and tell me that was it was a bad idea, I didn't know. Yeah. And, you know, it was my first time financing a car. And so I was just happy to be getting the car of my dreams at the time. Right. You know, and I was just like, yeah, give it to me. Where do I sign? You know, and so I was paying way more for that car than I should have been paying. And it became more apparent once I had rent and utilities due also. And so I did refinance my car in order to get my car note to go down a little bit. And that was one of the things that helped. So I was already looking into ways to become more financially stable. Because, I mean, I didn't want to have to live like that where my phone was getting cut off and I might not be able to pay the electricity bill and stuff like that. But I definitely wanted to change. Dasha was a big help to that because when I met her, I had never met anybody who was so financially stable. And it wasn't because she was rich. It's just because she was managing her money really well. You know, she wasn't spending it on frivolous things. Yeah, I would say that's know. why I never needed a credit card right. because I always had money in my savings account. Right. My upbringing, again, taught me that you should save 25% of your check and only live off 75%. And really, technically, according to my upbringing, it should be 65% because another 10% is supposed to go on a tithe. So that's a different <laughs> conversation for a different day. So I'm living... And I mean, from day one of my first job at 17 years old, I'm only living off of 75% of my check, 25% of my check. Every single dollar that I earned was going into my savings account. Right. So I never needed a credit card because if something ever came up that I wanted to do, go on a trip or a vacation, then I was pulling that out of my savings. Right. I didn't have to, to And I mean, honestly, that. that's the way it's supposed to work. And it wasn't that I was hearing something different in my household. It's just that my parents weren't as good with following through to make sure, or I wasn't as good at listening, one of the two. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, my dad told me the same thing. Like, even with the car situation, like I said, I bought a car that I shouldn't have been um, spending that much money on. And before I bought the car, now my dad did say, well, if you want to buy a car, that's fine, but you need to practice saving however much a car note is going to be every month. He's like, you know, go three to six months and save that money. Don't spend that money just to make sure you'll be able to afford the car. And... I didn't do that, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I mean, I got it's into the car. It's definitely, and I was definitely able to pay easier it, said than done. It's yeah. definitely habits that you have to start from the beginning, and you can't just right. pick those up usually. So, but we did work on it. Um, like I said, Dasha was an inspiration to me because she was able to just go into her savings when she wanted to do things. And um, one of the things, as silly as it may sound, I remember that impressed me or kind of opened my eyes up is that Dasha had a MacBook when I met her. And I was asking her about it because at the time I wanted a MacBook and I had owned a couple Mac computers, but they were older ones that I like bought off Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out that she like walked into a store and bought a brand new MacBook, it blew my mind. Yeah, it's the little things. You know, like how is it? How were you <laughs> when we the met? Little things. Twenty four. When 20, we met, I was twenty three. Twenty three. Twenty three years old walks into the store and buys a twelve hundred dollar computer. Now at the time, I didn't know anybody who could do that. And so that was kind of uh, inspirational, if you will, to say like she was that secure where she could do those types of things. And it was all because she was disciplined enough to save her money and manage her money. Um, And that's one of the things that made me want to do better. And so we we put together a plan. I mean, we talked about it together and we made uh, effort or we made plans to pay down my debts. 
And I eventually got me a secured credit card. If you don't know, a secured credit card is a card where you actually put money up on it first. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the card, sometimes you have to pull the, put the full amount. So, for example, if it's a $300 credit card, you have to put a $300 deposit down in order for them to open the card for you. And uh, I think after a year or so, you get the money back with some of them. Or if you decide to close the account, they'll give you the money back and things like that. Mm-hmm. The one that I did, my credit wasn't like completely trash. And so it was a $300 credit card, but I only had to put up $100 to open it mm-hmm. is how it worked. And that was with Capital One. So shout out to Capital One for helping me rebuild my credit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's a free plug for them. Because <laughs> uh, I did a lot of research on secured cards and how to build your credit. And this was really the beginning of me researching credit and really learning about what it was because I never knew exactly how it worked, even though people always said, oh, you need good credit. You know, nobody is telling you what it is or how to get it. Agreed. I would even say, even though I was quote unquote financially secure, I didn't really understand all the ins and outs of credit up until going into this house purchase when John was going through all the things that he was going through. Right. Um, And that was literally not even a year ago. Right. And so picture this. We go through this process to build my credits where, you know, it's actually decent and it's working. You know, the secured credit card work. I'm making sure I pay it on time. I'm not going crazy with it. And um, I think eventually I end up getting a second card because I was trying to, I found out that the more free credit that you had, the better. It's good to only use 30% or less of your available credit um, on any given credit cards that you have. Yep. And so I opened another card to hopefully get, you know, some more available credit to help my score go up. And these things were working, you know. Um, So I'm feeling good about myself. You know, I finally got my credit score up to where I'm not embarrassed to tell people where it was at. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, me and Dasha actually eventually moved out and got a a place together. So I moved out of um, the house with my two friends. And she was moving out of her dad's house. Or no, she moved no, out of her no, dad's no. house and got her own apartment earlier, Yeah, actually. Yeah, and yeah. that's when I got my first credit card, um, right before I moved into that apartment, because I wanted to be able to have uh, an emergency situation Right, and I remember card. you saying that. And when yeah. you got your credit card, you actually found out what your score was. I don't think you knew before that, right? Yeah, that's probably the first time I ever actually really recognized what my score was. Right, and it was super high. You know, <laughs> I had never physically seen anybody uh, score and been like, you know, I've seen it that high. Yeah. But anyway, so eventually she moved out of that apartment because why were you wanting to move out of there? Was it the rent? So this is where things start going downhill for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I moved out of my dad's house, I had a pretty good job um, financially. I didn't really like the job, but I made good money there. And yeah, because I think we talked about that when we first started dating, you were making more money than me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was um, Sprint working in cell phone retail sales. So, yeah, and I, she made me want plug there. Yeah, she made me want to work for a cell phone company when I found out how much they were making. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I moved out of my dad's house. I got my first credit card. I even bought my couch on my credit card. And again, I made so much money there. I think I paid off the, the card the next month. With my my check, yeah, mm-hmm. my um, yeah, because I would get bonuses from time to time for there too. Exactly. Yeah. Then I really did not like that job. Um, a lot of people enjoy it. It's just it just wasn't for me. I'm not a salesperson. But I went and got another job where I made significantly less money. Actually, my annual income at the new job was about ten thousand dollars. No, I was. That's about right. I think. It was $12,000 less, my annual income. Oh, okay. $12,000 less than what That is was, a big drop. Yeah, making it sprint. And then my rent went up, and I tried to talk to the apartment, and I was like, hey, I really like living here, but I did have a spider attack me, and so <laughs> can we not increase my rent? Like, right. let's be for real. <laughs> yeah. And just, just for the record, uh, Dasha's not stupid, y'all. She didn't, she didn't take a $12,000 pay cut for nothing. Uh, she was actually chasing her career versus yeah. just working another job, which exactly. you know I admire. So yeah, kudos for that. At the time, I still kind of feel like this, but my views are somewhat changing. But at the time, I felt like my happiness was worth more right than, than the money. The money. Yeah, and a lot of times it is. So, but to get back to where we were, um, yeah. So, so now she was ready to move out of that apartment, and I yes, because and her rent was going up, and Dasha was paying probably. 
I think she was paying more. What I was paying <laughs> in rent at that apartment is what John and his friends paid together at that house, at right. their house. But hey, Dasha wanted to be living in the big city, you know. I, she wanted I, to be out here flexing, living, living in the A-town. absolutely nuts. I'm like, you mean to tell me the three of y'all together pay what I pay by myself? Yeah. That makes no sense. And we actually paid less. <laughs> it wasn't even the same. It was a little bit less. But um, yeah, so... Me and Dasha were getting pretty serious by this time um, when this all that was going down. I knew that I didn't want to live with my friends forever. You know, don't get me wrong. I enjoy, you know, living at the bachelor pad and everything. But the retirement home is, is actually what it's called. Well, that may be what it's called now since I left. But uh, <laughs> when I was there, it was definitely the bachelor pad. But no, so we decided to move out and get an apartment together. You know, I was ready for a little more responsibility. Like I said, I had been working on my credit. Um, I was moving up in my apprenticeship, so I had got a few pay raises since then. And it would take some of the burden off Dasha because, you know, what she would be paying for rent would have went down. Yeah. You know, even though my rent was going up, I felt like I was prepared for that. And so that's what we did. We went and we got an apartment together, a nice apartment. We enjoyed it. Uh, We're living right in Midtown, which is, you know, the dream for us at the time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely a dream for me. Right next door to Boogaloo. And yeah. uh, I spent many time, many nights there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we went and got the apartment. And again, credit came up for that. Because if you've ever tried to get an apartment, they also run a credit check when you're trying to get an apartment. And even though my credit score had come up by then, like I said, I was no longer embarrassed by my credit score. I was wondering, was it going to make us pay a deposit? And so now I'm, I'm feeling like less than a man so to speak, because every time this credit thing comes up, I'm the one that's holding us back, you know, and that's not a good feeling. You know, the man is supposed to be the provider, the head of the household, so to speak. And with me and not having good credit, it's making me feel like less than that, less than the provider, or like maybe I can be that for her. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, we got into the apartment fine. We didn't have to pay a deposit and we were in the apartment for almost a year and a half. October 2015 to January 2017. 17, right. Because that's when we bought the house earlier yes. this year. Okay. The reason we bought the house. Now we yes. can get into that. <laughs> <laughs> the reason we started looking at buying a house is because we got a letter telling us that our rent was going to be going up at the apartment. And it wasn't just going up by a little bit. I think it was going up like 300 bucks. Yeah. It was a lot. And... It seems like a lot because when we got into that apartment, we actually got in on a really great rate. Right. We got in super low, cheaper than anybody else probably was getting into an apartment that size for. And um, so when the t- when it was next year, it was time for the rent to go up. It seemed like ours was going up a lot. A lot. Yeah. yeah. And so... I was what, like, what they were charging us to live in that one bedroom 936 square foot apartment mm-hmm. is what we pay currently for a mortgage. Right. <laughs> for a much bigger home than 900 square foot. Yeah. <laughs> but um we saw the letter and they were telling us how much they were trying to charge us for the rent, how much it was going up and it just started making sense to me by this time I was was I finished with my apprenticeship? You were, you were done with your apprenticeship. I was finished so with my apprenticeship. So I got out. A, I got a significant pay raise. Making your money. And it made sense to me to buy a home and put that money somewhere where it was going to matter. Versus, I had a stable job. Yeah, Dasha had a stable job too. And it just made more sense to put that money towards a home where it would be doing us some good. You know. Yeah. Somebody we were, asked me recently, why, why do people buy houses? I don't understand. Why do you invest all this money into a house that you're just going to sell and do yeah, nothing I mean, with? Well, the house and gives you a lot of options. I was, well, I was going to say the answer is, one answer is because this house, this mortgage is never going to change unless I refinance or something happens. Yeah, that's true. This what I pay for this mortgage is going to be the same this year, next year, and for in the twenty next 30 years. years. Yeah. Um, whereas rent, they could <laughs> keep know. going up three hundred dollars right. every year, and we could keep moving every year, and nobody wants to do that. I know yeah. our friends ain't gonna help us move. Anymore, and that was something so. that I expressed. <laughs> I expressed that to Dasha when we first moved to get our place because she had only stayed in that previous apartment for a year, and I told her, I said, "Look, we move in together. We're not moving every year. Yeah, you know, I ain't with that." <laughs> I'm not trying to be uh, moving my stuff around that often. And it's funny because we kind of did move again, but at least where we're at now, we plan on being here for an extended period of time. Right. Um, but yeah, so it just, it just made sense to me to put the money in the house. I thought that that was a better investment versus just giving the money away at just that apartment. To whoever. Yeah. But I did have to convince Dasha because she was not exactly on board 
in the beginning. I didn't want to leave Midtown. Right. So, so <laughs> yeah, we definitely know. don't stay in Midtown anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had to get her on board and she didn't necessarily see my vision at the time, but I think she does now as far as putting that money somewhere where it matters. Yeah. It, it's it's nice to own something that you can call your own right. versus having to give your money to someone else and you're making them money. Right. And, you know, invest in yourself if you can. Definitely. Um, so let's move on. What's next? So we can talk about what credit is, how it works, because throughout these processes, um, we actually learned a lot, right? Yeah. So for sure. I guess we could talk back about the the house situation for a moment just to let you guys know how that all worked out. We had to be very diligent about getting that credit situation straightened up. And when I say getting it straightened up, I mean we had about 30 days. <laughs> we had about 30 days to get that situation cleared up, to get my score back up to where it needed to be. The countdown was on. Right. And you can't deposit cash. They So, number one, some things you might not know if you've never tried to buy a house. You can't deposit cash into your bank account. They want to know exactly where the cash came from. They want to see a paper trail. John can't go out and just do electrical work on the side, or I can't go out and just be braiding hair right. and depositing the cash into our bank accounts. And the money... If Dasha was out there braiding hair, she wouldn't have had no money. <laughs> Don't even uh, shade, get it twisted. Shade, 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 shade. <laughs> so... You can't just side hustle, you know? You, right, the they got to see has, a paper trail. They got to see a paper trail. The second thing that you probably don't know is, I don't know. I was. But what I was saying was we had 30 days to get the credit situation straightened out. And for the record, Dasha's credit didn't need any work. It was already exactly where it needed to be. Um, so that may be the other thing that you don't know. It was. Yeah, is that they gonna if, you, if there's more than one person going to be on the house, on the loan, they go by the person with the lowest credit score. Because they're the highest risk. Because they're the highest risk in order to determine your interest rate. Exactly. And so that's why my credit score was so important is because, you know, the lower your score, obviously the higher your interest rate and the higher your mortgage is going to end up being. And I couldn't do the loan by myself because I don't make enough money. Right. And so we both had to be on it, but they had to go by my credit score. So 30 days to fix this. And I mean, I had to be super diligent about contacting people over and over again in order for them to get this situation straightened out on my credit. And because I understood how credit worked by this time, I was able to do that. I contacted credit bureaus. I contacted the lenders. I contacted the gap company. And I got all this paperwork, gathered it all, submitted it to my loan company. They had to resubmit it to the credit bureaus to get what they call a rapid rescore. Mm -hmm. And that was the only way that we were able to get this all straightened out in time enough to get approved for the loan on the home and close when we wanted to close. And here's something that I didn't know that I learned in this process you should monitor your credit frequently. There's apps out there like Credit Karma um, that John told me about a long time ago, but I didn't realize how useful they were mm -hmm. until this process. So if you go on there and you see that they are misreporting something, right. they cannot do that. You can't say, hey, these people misreported something and they just Kanye shrug. Right. I think on his, it said the account was closed and 30 yeah. to 60, uh, 30 <laughs> to 60 days late. Right. That is impossible. Right. An account can't be closed and be late. Right. Or it's, yeah. Closed and delinquent is what and they delinquent. said. And delinquent, yeah. yeah. And so there was, there was things on my credit report that made, that literally made no sense. You know, there were uh, direct contradictions on there. But I couldn't just call them and say, hey, this is a direct contradiction. Can y'all fix this? No, I had to submit tons and tons of paperwork. And like I said, call numerous companies to get all the paperwork and submit it myself. Um, it was definitely a process. But and, and the company was so difficult to work with. So very much so. We're going to shout out another company, CSC. So, to don't. add, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> don't give them any publicity the way I feel about it. Don't, don't work with them. To make it even more difficult... Um, a week after that accident occurred, my loan, my original loan was actually sold to a new company. And that's what she's talking about. The second company was a nightmare to deal with. And how they can sell my loan when I had already let them know that the car had been totaled is beyond me. And technically, I found out later on, they're not supposed to do that. And it was actually missed. It was an oversight. Oh. And it was never supposed to happen. Huh. Um, but yeah, but that ended up sending us down a rabbit hole. So... That was nothing that just sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, 
to talk a little bit more about credit because I have learned a little bit, you know, throughout these processes. Um, I don't think a lot of people know exactly what credit is and how it works. Um, but basically, your credit is a way for lenders or people who want to let you borrow money know how reliable you are when it comes to paying that money back, you know, how responsible you are. That's generally what it is. And the way it's set up, there are, I think there are three big credit bureaus. And what these companies do is they keep track of your credit. Now, they do not determine your credit score. A lot of people don't know that, but the credit bureaus do not determine your credit score. They just keep track of you owe these people money for this credit card and you pay it on time every month and stuff like that. They just house all that information. Now, there are separate third party companies that actually come up with the credit scores that people use, that the banks use and credit card companies use to determine if they want to give you a credit card or give you a loan or whatever. And there's two main ones that are used. Um, you have one that is called a FICO score, and that's the most important one. Uh, I think Fair Isaac Corporation is the name of the company. FICO is an abbreviation. And then you have the Vantage score. Now, the Vantage score is kind of a newer scoring model that they're trying to get implemented into a lot of things, but it's only widespread in credit cards right now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of credit card companies use your Vantage score, and that's what you actually see if you use an app like Credit Karma. It's going to be your, your Vantage score. It's not going to be your FICO because FICO is a private company. So if you want to know what your FICO score is, you actually have to pay them to find out that information. Now, you can go on their website and sign up for a service where they'll keep you informed on what your FICO score is, too. But like Dasha said, it's at least a good idea to keep up with something free like Credit Karma or Credit Sesame is another one. They use the same score that Credit Karma does to at least have an idea what an idea. your credit looks like. Yeah, it's not always going to be accurate. Right. Because they don't run off those two that John was just mentioning. But yeah. And then there's not only are there two different scores, there's different versions of those two. You know, credit card companies obviously are looking at different things than a home a home lender is looking for. Mm -hmm. And so there's different versions of your scores. But it's like she said, it's good to have an idea of where your score sits. Right. Right. And so just a couple of things that we did find out, like I said, the 30 percent rule. You know, any any credit cards that you have, you want to keep your total balance at less than 30 percent of your available credit. Right. That's going to keep your credit score exactly um, where you want it. It's going to keep it at its maximum potential, basically. And that is why when it comes to using credit cards, it's good to use them. Not having a credit card is not necessarily a good thing. It's good to have a revolving line right. of credit where people can see you using something and making payments on it. Right. So sometimes people will pay off their credit cards and it might show a decrease in their score. It might show an increase. It really depends on the other factors that you have on there. But you, you should use it like cash, you know? Right. You but, should only pay what you can afford to actually buy in cash. That's a good, a good idea, a good way to um, manage your credit cards. I'm actually going to pull up my Credit Karma app for a second. So bear with me. Um, I just want to point out a couple of the main factors when it comes to deciding your credit score. And so like Dasha was saying, your revolving credit is one of those things. The length of credit. Your um, age of credit history. Yeah, the age of credit. So um, a little later, I'm going to tell a story about how I got good credit. But the longer you have accounts open, oftentimes that helps too. Right. Because what they do is they take an average of all your accounts. And that's how they determine your average credit age. And so the older your accounts are, the better. And so sometimes people will notice if you close an account, even if you paid it off, it could actually make your credit score go down. I had that happen recently, but I knew it was going to happen and I did it for a reason. You know, I had an extra credit card that I didn't need. Um, the balance was pretty low on it anyway. And so I decided to get rid of it because it was just extra and I didn't need it. But it did actually cause my score to drop a few points. But I was okay with that because as long as you're paying your bills on time, or not bills, but your, you know, your credit card bills and stuff, it'll come back. Mm -hmm. You know, it won't be a long-term effect. But um, your credit card utilization, your total number of accounts matters too. They yep. like to see that you have a lot of accounts in good standing and a good account mix. And so young people, of course, don't don't usually have a good account mix because all they'll have is like credit card accounts. Yeah. Um, but they like to see a good account mix. So if you got credit cards or revolving credit, you have automobile loan in good standing and you have a home loan in good standing, things like that. They like to see a good mix of your credit, right? Um, your payment history, that's one of the most important things on your credit report. And it matters so much. I mean, you, you really should not ever be late if you want good credit. Not one late payment. 
you know, because one late payment could really affect your credit uh, more than you know. And unfortunately, it is a sad truth that a company like a cell phone company will not report to the credit bureaus. That oh, you're paying on they're time. They're paying their, right. their cell phone bill on time. They're doing a great job. We love them as a customer. Right. They're only going to tell them when you don't pay it. Exactly. When you don't pay and they send you to collections, they let them know then. <laughs> so that's... I mean, um, it's a sorry truth, but it is the truth. Yeah. So that's another thing that matters. Derogatory marks. And those are things like bankruptcies or accounts that are in collections, things of that nature that can hurt your credit. So you want zero derogatory marks. And the last thing is hard inquiries. Yep. So if you don't know what a hard inquiry is, anytime you apply for credit somewhere... And they say they have to pull your credit and they ask for your social, they ask for your permission to pull your credit. They're pulling what's called a hard inquiry. They're basically looking at your credit report to see what's on it. And if you have too many of those in a, a, a short... Cert, a certain amount of time. Right, in a certain amount of time, that can be bad. Because basically what it looks like to the lenders is that you're asking a bunch of people for money all at one time. And depending on how many of those accounts were actually open, a lot of them are saying no. And so if they see that a lot of other lenders are saying no, they're more inclined to say no. Yeah. Because they're going to think you're high risk. Yep. Yeah. So those inquiries, they do fall off every two years, but you want to make sure that you don't get too many of them within that two-year time span because that can hurt your credit score also. All right. So I think it's time. You ready to get into our uh, best, best and, and worst? worst? Best and worst. It All is right. time. So we're going to bring it back. And today for the best and worst, of course, to keep it in line with our topic, we're going to talk about the best and worst things that you and I have ever done to improve and hurt your credit. Best and worst things you've ever done to your credit. So, you want to go first this week? I went first last week. Yes, I'll go first. So, the best thing that I ever did to improve my credit, the reason why I had a great credit score when me and John met, was because when I was in college, I was watching Clark Howard, and it just so happened that my mother was watching the same show on the same day. And what we both learned at the same time was a good way to help Get your children started. If you have good credit, you could add them on to your credit cards as right. an authorized user. I'd heard that before. So we picked up the phone and called each other because this is a conversation that me and her had been having. You have no credit right now. How can we make you look good? How can we get your credit up? But right. I don't want you to get a credit card because I don't trust you. Right. So <laughs> that was it. Thank so you, Clark mom, Howard. <laughs> so your mom called her credit card company and... And she made me an authorized user. Right. I had a card with my name on it that was the exact same number as hers. I was not allowed to use it. Just for like emergency cases, probably. Yeah. And boy, was she all over it, like white on rice. I remember one time I was going to the movies with some friends and I left my debit cards at home. So I couldn't get any cash. Mm -hmm. I couldn't use anything. I only had her card on right. me. And I was like, I mean, I'm here. I don't want to ask anybody else for it. So let me just swipe. I swear I got a phone call like the next day. Hey, what is this? What are you doing? When are you going to pay me back? Right. <laughs> it was serious. So, right. But she kept me very much so in line with that because she was not going to let me mess her up yeah. at all. And that's good. I mean, that, uh, that definitely helps. So it looked like I had a large amount of an open line of credit because and for a long time and for a long and it looks like yeah so as long as she's had that card which is which is years I think um I think it's like eight years um yeah it made it look like you had a long credit history and a good credit history even though you weren't actually using it even though yeah but every time she and and even now to this day I can look on Credit Karma and see when she's using it because my credit score is going to drop. <laughs> <laughs> my credit score drops when she charges a lot on it. But my, like I said, my mom is really good about those things and she pays it off so it doesn't bother me. So if you have a, a parent or if anyone... Definitely call around to, to the company and ask because I did hear that they were trying to crack down a little bit on it because uh, that did get a little more popular where people were adding their kids and stuff onto their credit. Really? Yeah. That's and so, I mean, some companies will still let you do it. And but some of them report it differently. Like they don't, they won't report it to your credit the same way they report it to the original user's credit hmm. and stuff like that. But just call your company and ask around. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. So what about the worst? Is there a worst thing? I mean, you got great credit. Well, there's absolutely a worst. Just like you just got through discussing credit checks, too mm -hmm. many credit checks within a certain amount of time. Right. So in in 2013, I started working at Sprint. 
And in order to get on their employee wireless plan, I had to open up my own account. I had to get off my mom's account and open my own account in my name. They ran a credit check on me. Mm -hmm. I bought a car the next year, Mm -hmm. got my credit pulled. I don't think that the apartment pulled my credit, but I got a credit card, got my credit pulled. I actually got it pulled twice because I accidentally applied for for the same card twice. Yeah. So I had all that going on. And then a year later, I had it pulled at a car dealership right. and one you, too many times. And if you don't know, um, a lot of times when you go to these major, or not even just major, when you go to a car dealership and they're trying to run your credit to approve you for a vehicle, they will take your credit and run it through about seven to 10 lenders all at one time. And that's going to come up on your credit report as seven to 10 different hard, hard inquiries, inquiries, which is bad. Yeah. You do not want that. So I encourage all of you, if you're going to buy a car from a car dealership, tell them to you only are. run your credit through whoever you have the best chances of being financed through. Or if you can, get a pre-approval first. Right. So when I bought my car, I looked at AAA, actually, mm-hmm. and I got my credit ran with them. Actually, I went through two. I went through my bank, and then they said that my debt-to-income ratio wasn't high enough. I mean, was too mm-hmm. high. So then I went to another one, and they approved me. And so I took my approval and to went the to the dealership and bought the car like that. Yeah. yeah. So they could not run me through. Like that, that. Is, that is a good idea. Actually, with that first car that I was talking about at the beginning of this um, podcast, the one that I was involved in the accident with, I did the same thing for that one. I contacted the lender. I got my pre-approval. I walked into the dealership and told them, look, I have a pre-approval and I want to buy a car, but you got to come down on the price. And my pre-approval actually helped me negotiate that price down because they knew for a fact that I was going to buy a car that day. Yep. The question was, was it going to be theirs or not? Yep. Yeah. And um, they were really adamant about trying to run me through their lender. And I told them exactly what I just said a few moments ago. Do not run me through multiple lenders. If you think you can beat my pre-approval, you pick that one lender that you think you can beat it with. And I will give you permission to run it through that one lender only. And that's what I did. That's what they did. And it worked out. So keep that in mind. If you're shopping around for a car, do not go to all these dealerships and let everybody pull credit checks on you because you're going to go to three dealerships. They're all going to pull credit and you're going to have 20 something credit increase (laughs) on your credit. Right. Really bad. And that's bad. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that was your best and worst. Yep. All right. So my best and worst. I'm going to go, I'm going to start with the best first. The best thing that I ever did was when I talked about getting that secured credit card because I was at a point with my credit where I just had no idea how to get it started again. That's one of the toughest things when you mess your credit up, figuring out how to get it started because nobody wants to give you loans. And if they do, they want to give you give them to you for ridiculous interest rates. You know, it's hard to get approved for a credit card and all that kind of stuff. So the the best thing I did was getting that secured credit card because that gave me a way to start it back up. Um, let me let my foot back in the door, I guess, if you, you could say so. That's my best. My worst thing that I ever did, I didn't really speak on this much in the podcast, but like I said, before I moved out on my own, I bought my own car, right? I was super excited. I've had a lot of cars. Any of you who are listening who know me know that I'm a car guy. I love cars. Um, But I had had paid cash for all of them up to this point. So my GCO was the first car that I bought that I financed. And what a mistake that was. <laughs> At the time, I did not know anything about credit. I didn't know anything about financing a car. I didn't know anything about interest rates. I knew nothing. Okay? So, I'm going to tell you the quick version of this story of how I got the GTO. I decided that I wanted it. I saw one for sale at a local dealership. I went to the dealership and talked to them. And when I went to talk to them, it was about 8 o'clock at night. And I think it was a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. But it was 8 o'clock at night. Okay, the banks are closed at eight o'clock at night. So we worked through the deal at the dealership, but they couldn't push it through because all the banks were closed. And so I had to wait till the next day to get my final approval. Mm. So my current vehicle that I had, I put on Craigslist, sold it the next day before I even got off of work. I actually left work early to go sell my car so I could go buy the new car. Mm -hmm. Right. So I sold my car. I hadn't heard from the salesperson. I called the salesperson after I sold my car. I said, hey, what's going on with the deal? He said we couldn't get it to go through. Um, The bank said the car is too old and has too many miles on it. So I'm like, oh my God, I just sold my only car. Yeah. <laughs> How am I going to get to work? <laughs> you know? And so now I was in a bit of a rush out here looking for a vehicle. And I shouldn't have rushed. 
you know, and my parents probably should have told me, hey, don't rush. We'll figure this out. Yeah. You know, but I was in a rush to go find the car. And so I looked and searched for more GTOs because I had my heart set on it at this point. I found one. I test drove it. I love the car. And when I went into the dealership, it was one of those, uh, like Dasha likes to say, good credit, bad credit, no credit. Okay. You know, whatever. <laughs> it was one of those types of deals. And I went in, they ran my credit and they said I was approved. And so I was like, great, I'm approved. And I didn't pay a whole bunch of attention to the paperwork and what it was really saying because I was just, I was so new to it. I just didn't know a lot. So I still have that paperwork today and I'm going to go over it. I've never really discussed this with anyone, but I figured no better time to share than now. Right. Right. So I'm going to let all you guys know how big of a mistake I made <laughs> when I bought that GTO. <laughs> Are y'all ready? Right. Because for those of you who know me, y'all know how much I love that car. I was so proud of that car. Right. So here truth, we go. The truth comes out. I have my contract in front of me, my lending disclosures from when I bought that car, right? For that car, a 2004 Pontiac GTO with 98,000 miles on it. Purchased in what year? Purchased in, I believe it was 2012. Okay. In 2012, I purchased the car for $16,500. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, any of you who are car guys or enthusiasts and know about GTOs, that is way too much money, first of all, for the car I was purchasing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was at least $2,000 overpriced, right? But I didn't know that because this dealership was one of those who said, hey, what do you want your payments to be? You know, they didn't like to discuss the price because they're going to approve you no matter what, you know, but depending on your credit is how much you have to put down and what your payment is going to be. So, okay, $16,500, right? That's not where it ends. To make things worse, I put $2,500 down on the car, right? So $2,500 that I had to come out of my pocket and pay up front. That's somewhat normal. You know, that's normal to have to put money down on the car, right? Mm -hmm. So not too bad. Now, here is the kicker. My interest rate on that vehicle was 26.99%. That's almost 27% interest on that loan. And what that means is for the $14,000 that I borrowed from that bank, I would end up paying them an extra $9,000 on top of it by the time I was finished paying the car off. That's what interest rate means. That's, that's going to let you know how much extra money you're going to pay to this bank because they let you borrow some money. Mm -hmm. 27% is outrageous. 26.99 here in Georgia, I believe that is the legal limit. And so I literally got raped for everything that they could possibly get me for. <laughs> but at the time, I did not know. So $16,500, 26.99% interest rate. What does that mean in monthly payments? I financed the car for four years, and that meant that I was paying $480 a month for that 2004 Pontiac GTO. Mm -hmm. At the time, I had no idea that most people didn't have a $500 car note. I had no idea. You know, my dad let me sign the paperwork, <laughs> you know, and I didn't talk to a whole bunch of other people about how much I was paying for it. People just thought it was cool that I had the car. And so did I. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I was happy with it. We went to years later. I really started to understand what all these numbers meant and the mistake I had made. Yeah. But at that point, I didn't have a choice but to kind of go through with it. Like I said, I did eventually refinance it to get my interest rate down a little bit and make my payments a little bit better. Uh, but that was just such a huge mistake. That's the worst thing I could have done. To my credit, because it made me struggle at certain points to pay that car note, which in turn made me struggle to pay credit card bills or utilities or whatever else I had to pay at the time. So hands down, biggest mistake I've ever made. And to put that in perspective for you, um, like I said, this was a 2004 that I bought in 2012. Now, I've bought two Challengers in the last two years. Like I said, one of them got wrecked. And for the first Challenger that I bought, my car note was actually $4 more expensive than my GTO car note. So <laughs> in 2014, I bought a car that was only two years old. I'm sorry. In 2016, I bought a 2014 Challenger, which was only two years old. Okay. Right. And I was only paying four more dollars a month than I was paying for my GTO. And I wanted the Challenger. When I got the GTO, I just thought I couldn't afford it. And the whole time, I was paying Challenger money for the GTO. I was paying $480 a month for the GTO. And when I bought the first Challenger, I was paying $484 a month. And that's because my interest rate was so much better 
on the Challenger that it dropped my price down that much. Mm-hmm. So And pay attention to what people are selling you. Most definitely. I'm one of those people who kind of prides myself on not being sold something, but going to buy something. And that's one of the reasons why. When I went to buy that GTO, they sold me the GTO. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy it. And uh, if you don't understand what I mean is, I mean, just listening to people and what they tell you and them sweet talking you into a deal versus knowing what you want and knowing what you have walking in the door, knowing that you're in the driver's seat, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So anytime that you want to buy something, make sure you go buy it. Don't get sold. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I think that's going to wrap up today. You got something else? We actually did a survey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot about the survey. So we polled the crowd. You got about 12 responses. That's okay. <laughs> I told you to give it enough time to circulate. <laughs> but we wanted to know what you all's best and worst situations were for increasing and decreasing your credit scores. A lot of you said the, the best way you could increase your credit score was paying off bills. One person said they got a small $1,000 loan. That's all they wrote, but I'm assuming that they paid the loan off. And so now it's showing a loan that's paid in full or it could have been the payments on the loan, paying it on time that helped increase their score. To interrupt for a second, I did something similar today. I'm not sure if this is what they did, but there are um, just like there are secured credit cards, there are secured loans and loans can be secured in a number of ways. One way is um, with collateral. So like a vehicle, most vehicle loans are secured loans because the vehicle is the collateral. Um, but I actually did a loan through my bank one time where they will put a thousand dollars into a CD account and you just had to pay it off. And once you paid that thousand dollars off, they would give you the money in the CD account, which was potentially more than a thousand dollars. Gotcha. Right. So So. maybe that's what they did. Right. So those, that, that is a good idea. As long as you make the payments on time, that worked for me too, to help my credit score out. One person said they're having a higher income than their debt and paying more than the minimum on payments. So that debt-to-income ratio that we were talking about earlier. It's very important when you're making large purchases. Yep. Paying down credit cards and getting an insured card. So someone else got a secured insured card like what John had earlier. Right. Now, the worst things you could do or people have done to their credit was not tending to student loans. So 92% of our survey respondents actually have student loans. and. Right. I'm actually surprised it's not higher. There was one person that said that they paid out of pocket for school, which I'd be interested in hearing from them and seeing how they overcame that challenge that so many of us are going through. Right, because I didn't actually graduate from college. I went to a technical school, um, trade school, Mm -hmm. and I even have student loans from college from the two semesters I did go. Yep. Yeah. So, and I know a lot of people actually can't finish school because of student loans and and paying to go to college. Right. That's that's definitely one of the number one issues in our country. Um, Education costs too much in this country. I think a lot of our generation, a lot of our parents didn't go to college. And it makes me wonder if this all seems so new. Everybody seems so surprised at how much they have to pay in student loans. Well, I think it's because it's been getting more and more expensive. I mean, even your school, um, probably while you were there or just before you went, became the most expensive public school. College in Georgia. In Georgia. I knew that before I went. So, yeah, that was right. the case before I even started. And it didn't used to attending. be that way. My mother actually went to Georgia State also. And when she went to Georgia State, it was the more affordable place to go. Mm-hmm. Right. But I really feel like our generation, we are we are more woke, quote unquote, to mm-hmm. this predicament. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we are able to set our children up to be in better positions. I hope that right. we're looking to the future and getting our kids in college if that's where they want to go, but not putting them in debt. Right. Not only so. that, you know, pay attention to politics, you know. Let's elect the people who are going to listen to the things we care about, such as how much education is in this country, you know, the ones that are going to help us do something about it. Pay attention, y'all. Yeah. So not tending to and not deferring student loans was the number one worst thing that the survey respondents said that they did to their credit. Maxing out credit cards. We already talked about that. Keep those limits under 30 percent. Yep. And so. All right. So there you go, guys. That's our take on credit. And credit is very important in the pursuit of happiness. If you want to be out here having things, as they say, you know, living life to the fullest. uh, Sometimes you need that credit. Unless you're going to pay everything with cash. Now, if you can go make that money. By all means, pay for it all in cash if you got it. If you got it, please. So. 
But yeah, but credit's important, y'all. Pay attention. Do not get raped like I did for this GTO, okay? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I was out here stunning for a while, y'all. But pay attention, you know? Don't let these people sell, y'all. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. That was Tripping Over the Broom, uh, my third episode. Any final thoughts, Tosh? Next week, we're going to have a couple come back in. Yeah, we're going to have we're gonna do another guest next week. We're probably going to have a couple, so things should get interesting. Yeah, that's all I got. All right, see y'all next time. Thanks. Tripping, Tripping Over, over the, the Broom. Thank you for checking out Tripping Over the Broom. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Tripping Over the Broom and Twitter at T-O-B underscore podcast for more information about upcoming episodes. If you like what you hear, tell your friends. Subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes and SoundCloud. Any questions you would like us to answer or topics you want to discuss, send an email to trippingoverthebroom at gmail.com. Until next time, it's J5 and Dasha, and we're Tripping Tripping Over over the the broom. Broom.